Hi, and welcome to IndieWire's Filmmaker Toolkit Podcast. My name is Chris O'Fall, I'm the editor of the Toolkit, and my guest today, and I can't believe I'm saying this one, is Francis Ford Coppola, and we're going to be talking about his new film, well, actually his old film, uh, The Cotton Club, which he recently restored, put 24 minutes back in, took 13 minutes out, um, and unlike some of these restorations or director's cuts that tell you, oh, you've never seen the movie quite like this. This this isn't actually true. Uh, He has restored the balance. He has restored the initial intention of what this film was. You know, it's got two main characters, Gregory Hines, Richard Gere. They're both performers at the Cotton Club in the 1920s and 1930s, um, which during that time uh, featured the best black performers of the day. But of course, um, black people were not allowed in. They couldn't be patrons. And it was a fraught production, um, had some very weird financing, and there was a lot of pressure on Francis. And he kept hearing in the editing room, it's too long, there's too many musical numbers. And, and yes, of course, there's too many black people. And it's really fascinating to think about, and I think it's important for filmmakers, you know, this is a guy, after he's made two Godfathers, after he's gone to hell and back on Apocalypse Now, put his family fortune on the line, has final cut on this movie. And yet, even him at that stage, losing objectivity, feeling pressure um, about the length of his film and not necessarily even understanding what he did to his film. He's only recently gone back and seen an old cut and realized how far he had meandered from his initial intention and gone through the process of trying to restore it to what it was. Um, So it's a really fascinating story. I definitely recommend uh, checking out The Cotton Club. Um, Lionsgate is putting it into theaters starting today. I'm sure there'll be some some Blu-rays and streaming options down the road, but definitely try and see this on the big uh, big screen. Uh, And uh, I can't believe I'm saying this. Here's Francis Ford Coppola. It's interesting, you know, it's interesting to me too, because, you know, I... I, um, I, I, as I said, I've worked on movies and changed them. Movies are illusions, so if you tweak them and stuff, the, the results could be very different if they're little things. But this case, I, we is a big thing. We put a lot of, we put like half hour, forty minutes back in. But this movie more changed than others I worked on. Well, maybe we should start there. Go ahead. Hold on for a second. Just make sure. Sure, I'm show. Sure. No, I'll no, just yeah. But I mean. My understanding is that, and I think this dates back to also Apocalypse, you have old cuts of yours in Betamax, is that mm-hmm. right? So so some form of a cut of, you came across some old cut that you had saved. Uh, how close to that of what you found, and obviously it triggered your desire to go back, but how much was that old Betamax cut like what I what I saw here in, uh, in New York a couple it, days ago? It's quite a bit like mm-hmm. this version but uh, of course, then it started there, and then we started to uh, tweak it. You know, once we got well, basically what happened is we, as you're right, we have a consumer in those days it was Betamax or VHS, but we always had copies of the different cuts just to save them for archives. And I came upon what was this version, and I was, and I saw it, and I was surprised because I hadn't realized that we had. Tweaked, we had cut so much out. And what you do is you take a couple of minutes out and then you look at it again and you take another minute. But you don't realize in the aggregate you're taking a lot out, you mm. know. Uh, uh, so, so I was very surprised with how, how much more was in the movie and it was all new to me because, you know, 20 years had gone by. And then once I said, gee, that seemed better, you understand it better, it didn't. It doesn't feel longer to me. It feels shorter because I understand it better, you know. So then once we had said, or once I had decided I'm going to try to do it, then in the course of doing it, 
you find hopefully other improvements or you don't do it exactly as you had done it. And, and uh, so it's, it's very much like the real original version, except it's uh, a little different from in the finishing. In seeing this version, what's so clear is uh, there's so much in this film. It's so dense. And how carefully balanced the screenplay must have been of these parallel stories, not just the personal story of Richard Gere and, and Gregory Hines, which is clearly part of it, but also the black gangsters and the other and, 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 the, and the, the mob bosses. And we also have all these in characters kind of orbiting around each other and everything is so carefully balanced that one imagines maybe you didn't realize it at the time where you're shaving, but you take you take a certain elements out and it, it, it doesn't hold together. I mean, that was the one thing that I always had thought of Cotton Club as a very ambitious film that was flawed to a certain degree because it didn't, it didn't come together. And, and seeing this, that screenplay must have been incredible. The, the amount of effort and, and work that must have gone into balancing all of these ingredients so they came together, it must have been incredible. Well, that was, that was the instinct. Since it's, a, it's an original screenplay, meaning it's not based on a play or it's based on history, uh, I, I tried to find a common theme that would, would, would you know, the theme sort of helps you decide what you're doing. You know, you could always say, well, oh, this movie is about privacy, so then you try to make it about privacy. In this case, what intrigued me is that really the idea of people owning other people, uh, which of course is the ancient uh, institution of slavery, but people can own other people in other ways uh, th than just literally in slavery where you literally, the people are property. And, and I thought I, I was intrigued to play around with the idea that uh, people could be owned by other people. And in the case of, of, of Dixie, who's Richard Gere, he's owned by Dutch, not because Dutch owns him, but because he had witnessed a murder that then uh, Dutch then was became you know wanted to keep him close because he, and in a way, uh, Richard Gere is owned by Dutch Schultz by virtue of the fact of this uh, witnessing this murder and and you know uh, so ownership of people there are many ways you can own people uh, mm -hmm. marriage is a for used to be a form of I mean wives used to be slaves in Greek times so once I had a theme. Then, then I, then I, I, I tried to balance it, and I, I had there were two wonderful stars, uh, uh, Richard Gere and Gregory Hines, and I thought, well, what if they, their story, they each had a brother, and they each had a, a family, and and their stories kept crisscrossing each other, which, you're right, means it ought to be balanced, mm -hmm. and, and it was balanced the way the script was and the way we shot it. But at that time, so you did you did get to shoot the film that you very uh, the interference was really imposed. You really shot the film that you wanted. Well, to Well, yeah, I, we I couldn't have had it if yeah, I didn't yeah. shoot it. But and you know even I had said, you know technically I had final cut legally I had final cut, and I've had final cut on the movies I've made ever since the first Godfather film. But final cut isn't quite what it sounds. What it really is is yes, contractually, you have the right to decide this is the way the movie is going to be. It's sort of like you're the captain of the ship. But in reality, even though you have Final Cut, you're still a collaborator with all the many other producers, distributors, people who put money. So you try not to say, hey, I have Final Cut, go away. I don't want to hear 
you say, well, tell me your ideas. You know, maybe I can, uh, you don't bring up that you have Final Cut. They know it, you know it, but you try to be, you know, this is theater. The theater is, is an art of collaboration. So you try to collaborate. And, and, and in the case of the Cotton Club, there were many producers and many people who had put money up and stuff. And, and there was so some weird financing with this one, very, right? Very, very weird financing to say the least. And, and indeed, some of the uh, f guys, the, the, these people who had put up the money, went to my lawyer and, and my lawyer said, Francis has final cut, you know, and there was all the contracts on the desk and they just swept the contracts and said, well, now it's off the table. Which means what? It means that, of course, I had final cut, but still I have to try to be helpful. And also, don't forget, the movie was coming out and, and um, it was a long production of, of very, very, a lot of warfare going on on the set. You had gone through a cut. Uh, you know, a director is pretty exhausted by the time it, it, the movie is coming out and well aware that if everybody says the picture's too long, the picture's too long, the picture's too long, you, you say, well, gee, maybe I ought to try to make it be less long. Uh, also, the other word I got was specifically from some of the producers is too many black people and there's too much tap dancing. Well, of course, that sounds ridiculous when you're making a film of the Cotton Club, but I said, well, you know, maybe I have too many musical numbers in it. You know, sometimes more is uh, more is less, and sometimes less is more. You you know that. So, the the director at that moment before the film was just about to come out is extremely uh, concerned that that the film is not boring the audience, that it doesn't overdo something. So you, you start to just take a teeny bit out. Mm -hmm. Then you take another little teeny bit out. And then, then you go and you take another teeny bit. You don't realize how much teeny bits you're taking out because you're trying to find that magic moment when it comes to life. And 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 uh, clearly, I, I I you know I can't really say they ordered me to take it out because technically I I had the final cut, uh, and and ultimately I took it out. But I took it out in little small pieces, and I took out way too much. And um, and then seeing the film many years later in the Betamax vision, I said, my God, I took too much out. There's a funny little story I'll tell you. I can tell it maybe in. Uh, uh, two sentences even short, but when George Lucas made American Graffiti, Universal felt it was too long <laughs> and it was too much. And so they took the movie away from him and they they shortened it a little bit and, and, and did some stuff. It was nonsense. The movie was fabulous. The audience loved it even before they... And in the end, they gave it back to George and uh, they said, well, it's hardly any different. And he said, look, if you take my little six-year-old daughter and you cut the tips of her fingers off and then you hand it all back and say, well, she's practically, she's practically just as she was. She has no more tips of fingers. So uh, a filmmaker has a very funny relationship with the film. And, and, and even, even little changes really are painful and difficult to do. And, and in the case I over... I overcompensated for wanting everyone to be happy about the movie and, and th for the warfare to end. There was people suing and, and there was threats that they were going to take the film away from us and stuff. And so I tried to collaborate, collaborate my way out of that and, and, and the result was 
that uh, I, I damaged the film, and it's my responsibility. You know, the conversation around something being commercial in length is something still happening today. You know, it was all last week with your friend, Mr. Scorsese, and the three-and-a-half-hour Irishman. But you had said something with... Um, I think it was with recently, but I think you were referring to Apocalypse, but it stuck with me. It's something that I've had in the back of my head. You know, that length isn't necessarily just the running time. Sometimes when you take something out, a movie could feel longer. It might be five minutes shorter, but if you truncate a storyline, if you don't deliver on something, that, that, it, that could drag f for the audience. Or uh, it, There's a difference between how long a movie feels and how, movie, how long a movie actually is. Time is very relative, and if you're not engaged, if you're not absorbed in the story or the ideas, or you're confused by it, or you don't know what's going on, that can, uh, that can make the time uh, expand and and if you're totally engaged and you're I mean I could see uh, Abel Gantz's Napoleon which is four and a half hours and it, it's just uh, it just transfixes you and you're caught up and you didn't realize you or, or an Eisenstein film like October 10 days that shook the world those are long movies mm -hmm. but you're so caught up in them that you don't feel it I know um, there was that big number, Stormy, I think Stormy Weather, that got put back into this version. It's, that's wonderful. It, it, it's, it's a really an amazing scene. But I'm also curious, one of the things that's really interesting about this film is that a lot of it is built around nights at the Cotton Club with a number of numbers, you know, back to back. And meanwhile, all of our narrative threads are kind of weaved in and out and moving in and out. I, I guess just I have a few questions off that, but... In terms of the trimming, forget about Stormy Weather, was also some of that how much of the music and how much of the performance, maybe you didn't cut a number, but how much did you trim on those musical numbers for those, those for lack of a better word, those long set pieces in, for a night in the club? Well, you know, uh, you can imagine how even a good thing, if it's just repeated and there's numbers over and over and over again, uh, the director might fear, oh my God, I have too many musical numbers. Mm -hmm even though musical numbers are wonderful. And this, in the case of the reconstruction of the musical number, the people who did that, who provided the authenticity, the numbers were really like the numbers that had been done in the Cotton Club. And, they, and there were different types of numbers. There were big ensemble uh, dance routines with the wonderful Cotton Club beauties. And, and there were uh, uh, other... Uh, two and three person acts and then there were these little sort of ribald stories like little sexy specialty numbers that that uh, were delightful but they were a little off color and and and, uh, and provocative and 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 the, the audience would titter and they would find it amusing so of course I was I I had done them all and I so admired the cast uh, in every regard the cast uh, uh, these young people who young and old uh, were wonderful and then but of course as I heard the criticism oh there's too much tap dancing too many musical numbers too many numbers the two numbers are too long you know of course I, I could say gee I can understand how that could be possible even though but when I saw it in this retrospect many many years later they seemed delightful to me mm -hmm. and so I had the courage of, of that hindsight to just no joke mm -hmm. put put them all back in uh, and, and and even 
as this this new version came, there were people who said, oh, you know, there's some numbers which I don't know who that lady is and who that man is, and they're doing this little routine, like, where were you last night? Or do you like my barbecue? All these little sexual innuendo. And, 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 and originally I was encouraged to take them out because there were too many of them. Uh, and then I realized that, that that's what the richness was. And, and, and I began to see the film's total more clearly in hindsight, which, which is larger because when you're making a movie, you're so worried about the movie and so uh, self-deprecating that you don't really maybe appreciate what you're doing, mm -hmm. which 20 years later, it's almost like you're a different person. You're saying, well, that was pretty good. <laughs> uh, I can see it now more as an audience and less as the person on the firing line. And those, and the music itself, and the performances, in conversation with the drama, it seems as if, the, in addition to recreating actual Cotton Club numbers and the and, and the incredible performers that you you, and and and, and the choreography that's up there, it, it, they're very much working together. They're setting a tone and a mood and a pace, and it, and sometimes those kind of little sexual endo moments fit nicely with. You know, well, that was the that it. was the hope, that was the aspiration, that was the concept, and that's what the intention was. Uh, I, it is true that there was so much animosity between the the, the financiers and the producers, and and, and me and and the, the the coterie of artists that that sometimes. You know, in life, I, uh, sometimes differences like that cause a blindness. Your your enemy is not as much your enemy as you think he is, and 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 and, and maybe that's what people have to realize. And and certainly in uh, in su in such unjust situations as a club, the Cotton Club, that featured uh, these wonderful talent. I mean, I can't tell you how nice. It's funny story is that you know the Cotton Club beauties, those young ladies who were the the beautiful women of the Cotton Club. Everyone thought, oh, you're so lucky you get to know them, and let's have a party so we can meet them. Those young ladies were so ladylike and so, I don't know words to use, wholesome and good, and 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 and, and the least they you know you right away you think oh they're sexy and stuff they were the really fine nice wholesome young ladies there there was nothing promiscuous about them they were they were really good good people and good friends and and, and all the cast were you, you really learn when you get to work with folks who are of, di of a different culture or a different uh, background uh, how how once you become their friends, you don't see them as anything but your friends. And, and, they, and the cast was really uh, wonderful. Uh, Gregory was a, a prince. His brother, Maurice, was wonderful. Mm -hmm. All of the folks in that cast were just wonderful people. Have you gotten to share the film, or maybe that, that'll be what Saturday is, with, with some of the survivors and some of the family of... Especially the film's only been seen three... I mean, to yeah. my knowledge, I, I, I showed it once in... In Telluride, and I was—I was astonished with how much uh, better it played and what the reaction was. And then it was shown once again, uh, and Maurice saw it uh, at at a screening. And and uh, no, this is really—it it hasn't been shown around a lot, because I didn't know what you know. I, I the the rights and what have you were tricky to put Cause all. Because Telluride was two Tellurides ago. It was like 2017, right? When you showed, I, I, that, I think when you first showed it, right? I went to that, that was shown there and that was the first time yeah. I really showed it to the public and, and, and we got a wonderful response. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I have never, 
uh, fiddled with a movie and had it change more as a result of the fiddling than yeah. this one. Were the elements, did you have to go find negative? Did you have to go oh, find there were elements? Lots, there I were mean, lots of problems. Uh, we, we, what had happened is that the film, the film was done in the, in the version more like this, and then the bickering started happening, and so like two minutes got taken out. And we, but that negative that got taken out wasn't with the regular batch of negative of the picture. And some, in the end, there was about, I don't know, nine minutes or 15 minutes that we could never find because it was taken out later in the, the film kept getting a little shorter, a little shorter, a little shorter in, in, little, in little increments. Mm -hmm. And we never were able to do it. And, and or originally the, the company that owned the rights was very unsympathetic. You know, film companies are generally cynical about a situation like this where a film that already came out and did the business it did is done they're not too helpful to you to say, well, I want to, I, I know I can make it much better. So there was a, a window where I had access to the footage and they told, my folks told me, listen, if you make a copy of it, if you make the 4K deal, then you would have it, but that's going to cost $50,000 to do that. And I took the, I was blessed to be in the, the ability to do it and I did it. But that was only the beginning because then I had it and, and so that they couldn't stop me from working on it. And, but then we, we, we were never able to find about, as I said, I don't know whether, it, first it was 15 minutes, then we found some of it and then it was nine minutes. And the way you replace a negative that's missing is you, you find the best example you have and then you use a lot of uh, costly, uh, what do you call, re um, improvement uh, a little bit like a digital CG some, some, yeah, in some cases you yeah, have to do so, it, right? So, I mean, Technicolor, who did the work, I believe, was just heroic in how they, and the film looks wonderful, even the, even the nine minutes of missing negative. And there were problems uh, in why stormy weather wasn't in the first picture. And, it, and, and I have to be, I'm, basically, a little bit some of the press I read on this, it sounded like I'm saying they ordered me to do this. I, I really, that's not fair. I had the power. I, whether I, I didn't have it securely, they were, I was being sued and what have you, but technically uh, the problem with Stormy Weather was that I had two songs. One was Stormy Weather, who's, which is very famous and which was a beautiful performance by, the, by uh, uh, the star. And the other was called Ill Wind, which was written by the same people. But Ill Wind, I had already committed to include a montage of the of gangsters taking over the numbers racket. It was built into the negative. I, my, my young son did a lot of the second unit and we did it in an old fashioned way. We didn't do it with optical printers. He literally took the negative of some of the material and saved it in the refrigerator and then took it and reloaded it and exposed it a second and a third time. So. All of, in other words, I couldn't remove the gangsters from Ill Wind and add them to Stormy Weather. And the general census was I couldn't have Ill Wind and Stormy Weather be right next to each other because they were sort of tone, yeah. very similar. And, and, and I, I had committed uh, to Ill Wind the montages and, and the uh, necessary information of the gangster story. And so I made the sacrifice, and again, I made it. Uh, I know that's one thing I must say, Bob Evans wanted it to be stormy weather and not ill wind. Mm -hmm. 
and he was right, and I knew he was right, but I didn't know, I, I couldn't, because I couldn't separate Ilwin from the gangster sequences since the way we shot it. In this version, I just decided, what the hell, I'll end on ill wind and I'll open on stormy weather. Maybe, who knows, maybe one day there'll be an intermission between the <laughs> two. So, in other words, I did things that uh, were, were, were in this version, there's a sort of, oh, well, what can I do? I like the, I always loved stormy weather. And, and we had never finished stormy weather. We had never recorded, we had her singing against a piano. <laughs> you know, so we didn't, we, the, the, once we made the decision to lose some of the numbers, then we didn't spend money to finish them because they weren't going to be in the picture. So we had to go back and uh, and add uh, some orchestration to it. And uh, I mean, these are a lot of technical problems that, that come, even the rights to a lot of the songs that we put back into the movie, we didn't have because we had, we're always trying to lessen the budget and, 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 and we had to renegotiate that. So there, there are many factors that go into what's in the picture. Many, many of the wonderful people in the cast had died. And so we couldn't, you know, we couldn't get so-and-so to do some new lines to be able to. So there's a, but you know, let's face it, a movie is an illusion. And, and, and uh, whatever works for the illusion is, 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 it's an illusion anyway, so. Well, I mean, this film, obviously, the, it, you wanted to put it back together and, and, and return a little bit to its original intention, but this isn't the first time you've gone back. And, and so, in different circumstances, it seems as if, obviously, it's a commercial business, you gotta, you gotta get it into the theater, you gotta have a deadline of some sort, but you seem, uh, and there's been a couple of filmmakers of your generation that have really openly embraced this idea of, of, of going back, of there can be more than one. You know, I, I got a quote from someone at Criterion that had worked out with uh, Terrence Malick on the, on the new Days of Heaven. He's not pretending that the Days of Heaven that he released in 2011 isn't the best one, but there was more. He's like, why can't I do Bob Dylan can play the same song different ways? There's different versions of it. Why can't I do that? And it seems to be something that's kind of, I, that wasn't something that I, we've ever really seen in American film until some people like yourself are starting to do that. Well, well, that's because the filmmakers very rarely, very rarely, if ever, own the movie. So uh, to go back and change it, not only is that a costly product, but project, but you you don't have the right to because you're not the owner. Paramount's the owner of the uh, of the Godfather or or whoever the company is, but in some cases I was the owner. Apocalypse Now, in particular, but I was only the owner not because I was so clever or 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 it was because no one wanted it. <laughs> I was the owner by default. Uh, I got lucky in the sense that Apocalypse didn't just vanish in two weeks. So in some cases, and the ownership of this movie were was very, um, the, 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 how it was financed was so weird that the owner wasn't even clear. So I, but, but think of it this way, when a movie opens, it can, you know, when we were kids, they were like little jumping beans. They were not real, Mexican jumping bean really is a bean with a worm in it and, and the worm is alive. So it's just, but we had toy jumping beans that were just a capsule with a BB. And I remember if you hold them in your hand, they either go to the left or to the right because the BB throws the weight. That's how a movie is when you open it. You, you have no idea if it's going to tilt positively or negatively. You hope positively because if it tilts negatively, it's dead. So you hope that the movie, you hope against hope that the movie is going to, people are going to say, oh, it's, 
At worst, they're going to say, oh, it's very promising. It has very good things. But that's so, so that you are very much influenced by what everyone, the distributors and the people who know about audience reaction are telling you. And if they're saying it's really long, I mean, if you could make it a little shorter. So you don't want it to tilt to the, to the negative side. You want it to tilt to the positive side. And so you may take some of that advice. But the truth of the matter is years later, you look at it and you realize, well, gee, the film, uh, in, in retrospect, the film had value, and yet I did all those things, like in the first Apocalypse Now, that I didn't want to do, but I was just trying to have it tilt a little to the right and make it less weird or shorter. And then if you have the chance to change that, you welcome it, because you didn't want to do it in the first place. You didn't want to make those cuts in the first place. Last one, because we have to go. You, at the same exact time, around the time of Cotton Club, wrote a 400-word, I've heard it described as a screenplay novel, for, for a film that you've never made that I think you are, you are now thinking about doing, Megalopolis, right? Yes. Uh, well, again, it's, it's, it's this magic of looking at something that you had abandoned and given up as hopeless and it's awful, I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, you know, let's face it, people... People are tough on themselves. Artists, you know, they're great artists. Like Barbara Streisand, I understand, when she has to go out and sing, she gets scared and she doesn't know she can do it. Uh, and then she goes out and she's brilliant. But in the fact that she's been brilliant every time, every time she's still scared. And, 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 and you know, some filmmakers and stuff, they talk big and what have you. But, of course, you're scared. You want it. Uh, and, and you're tough on yourself. So... Uh, with Megalopolis, I, I, it was something 20 years I have been working on, and, and when I looked at it, it's the same thing as uh, the, the Cotton Club. I looked at it in hindsight, and I said, gee, there was some merit to it, and it's more relevant to the world we see today than it was 20 years ago. Uh, you know, it's really about things that are currently in the news in a, in a way, but which is how can we have a, how can we have the democracy be what. It was the founders intended it to be. How can you know? How can it bring happiness to to the people uh, that are our members? Uh, Benjamin Franklin finally said, "Well, we have a democracy. Let's hope we can keep it." Uh, so, so yes, there is a movie that I had, and and it's not I don't see why that's relevant in 2019. I <laughs> but you know, I, I I will try to do it. I you know, they're not making those kind of movies. They're not even in a way feature films are have become, uh, you know, action-adventure superhero movies and, and a, a one-off film like I'd like to make is not is not being done, but maybe I'll be lucky, and I hope so, and I would like to make it. Oh, I hope so, too. Thank you for your time, and uh, really, this is... I'm always a little skeptical of, of the recutting and stuff. This is a totally different film, and it is uh, it is a ma I, it's one of your best. It's a wonderful, wonderful film. Well, I, I, I love I it. I think so. I'm, I I'm, I welcome it as certainly one of the one of the better films I've made. I'm very very pr oh. proud. I, I'm not. Uh, I'm shocked. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.